This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, my show across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia, and I hope you guys have blue sky. It's been a couple of days since I've seen it. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425, and if you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you can... Uh, get the show notes link, the podcast, the live stream, social media, all of that sort of stuff. Um, I, I, can I just for a moment, before I get into the big news, can I just say, uh, those of you who are parents, you have my sympathies. If you have kids in school like we do, uh, this is our kids' last week of school. Some of you, depending on where you are in the country, go longer. But we are in the the we're we're actually we're just out of the moment of the surprise events. You, you know the surprise events, Dad. You come into the award ceremony. What award ceremony? It's not on the calendar. It's it's the one at school for 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 honors. When tomorrow morning, eight thirty. Oh yes, I guess I'll be there, Dad. You come into the band concert. What band concert? The one they sent an email about 30 minutes ago. Oh, surprise. Oh, guess what? We've got a project due. When is it due? Tomorrow. What do you need for it? Well, I need poster board. I need one of those three-quarter folding foam panel things, and, and it's all got to be done by 9 a.m. Really? Surprise. <laughs> the amount of last-minute we, you know, so... We finally had to crack the whip on my kid and like, stop procrastinating. I, I am a procrastinator. But the parents are on a on a group chat. Well, the moms are. The dads, all of us were smart enough not to get added to it. And we got a text the other day. When is this, when is this report due? <laughs> Tomorrow. Surprise, surprise. Here at the end of the school year, my gosh, and, and the number of things just, there are so many things at the end of the school year, and they're all packed in there, and people will, this guy's going to send the email out to the parent, no, no, this person will, no, no, this person will, wait, who is it? And then they forget, and then you're like, um, we're supposed to do this tomorrow, really? Tomorrow night? So much for dinner plans, kids, we got to be at school. And our school, it's great. It is great. And they do a good job. 
But it's just I, I was I've been talking to different friends of mine, and we're all kind of in that into the school whirlwind where there's just so much stuff. Everything's got to be packed in. They forgot about a, a different doing different things, and oh, can we work it in? Yes, we can work it in. So now everybody show up, and we're gonna do this stuff. It's like I'm ready for school to be out. Two more days, and they'll be done for the summer. And guess what? I have an office now. So I do not have to do my show from the house during the summer anymore where you can hear the kid upstairs screaming bloody murder on the Xbox playing with a friend who's in London who's he's got to get up early to play with and I, I can have quiet in my office. Now, digress. We must get into the news of the day. <laughs> Y'all, two more days, just two more days. I think we can survive. Well, Florida. I, so Ron DeSantis, I believe, is coming to my gathering in August. We'll have Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. We'll have um, Ron DeSantis. Mike Pence has a scheduling conflict. He's trying to rearrange a schedule to be able to come. Uh, I haven't invited Asa Hutchinson. It just doesn't really make any sense to invite him, but maybe I will. Um, and I have a question I want to ask Ron DeSantis. In fact, Ron DeSantis, I put you on notice. I want to ask you a question out of the gate when you come to my gathering in August. Very first question, Governor, why is it when I am on I-75 or I-95 cruising up the interstate in the left lane, I inevitably encounter someone with a Florida license plate doing 10 miles slower than the posted speed limit, backing up every last person on the interstate, and they will not get out of the way. What a, I assume it's the Yankee transplants from New York who moved to Florida during COVID and never learned how to drive. I have a hard time believing the state that brought us Florida man has all the slow pokes on the interstate. And yet... I inevitably encounter someone with a Florida license plate doing 65 and a 70. Not that I, I mean, I, I go a little fast. I don't go as fast as a lot of people. But I, I look at the speed limit as a suggestion. And those Floridians apparently look at the speed limit and think, I got to subtract 10. I just want to know why. If Joe Biden runs a campaign on slow pokes coming out of Florida, he might have a winning message. But otherwise, I'm not sure Joe Biden does. We have two conflicting stories today that I find very funny. Uh, from Axios, the headline, DeSantis's 2024 pitch, Make America Florida. He intends to run on the successes of what he's done in Florida. It is suggested he will enter the race sometime this week. He has a big meeting with donors in Miami on Thursday. He's been campaigning under the cover of a book tour for a time. He's got the courage to be free out. And a lot of people are thinking he's not going to pivot. In fact, there's a news story out the other day. It says DeSantis is not going to pivot. Now, I actually think he will. Because of the related story, this is from CNN. Edward Isaac DeVore, who tends to be a Biden stenographer, 
Headline, Biden bets DeSantis's Florida blueprint will help him flip the sunshine state and win re-election. Yes, I know. A man who barely won the governorship of Florida turns around a 20-some-odd point victory, 18-whatever-it-was-point victory in Florida, sweeps all the Democrats out of statewide office. Joe Biden looks at this and says, aha, Biden advisors believe they can hold up what the GOP governor calls his Florida blueprint as a warning to the country about what would happen if DeSantis or any other Republican wins the White House, a human embodiment that MAGA extremism goes beyond Donald Trump. The Biden campaign has started putting campaign cash and efforts into Florida and will decide in the coming months whether to put more as it gauges the president's chances of reversing the reddening of a state he lost by a wider expected margin in 2020. That's right. The Biden team is quietly preparing for Ron DeSantis to be the nominee, not Donald Trump. And Biden donors, including nationally known trial lawyer John Morgan, have quietly reached out to Trump advisor Roger Stone to urge the president to come out against a state tort overhaul law limiting settlements and narrowing liability for negligence, among other issues. So you got trial lawyers coming out against DeSantis. You've got social progressives coming out against DeSantis. And the Biden team quietly believes that DeSantis could be the Republican nominee, not Trump. And they intend to attack him because of what he's done in Florida. Now, this is the big issue. DeSantis has run as a culture warrior. And well, I shouldn't even say run. He's governed in the eyes of many people as a culture warrior. Most Americans do not know Ron DeSantis' economic record in Florida What they know is that Ron DeSantis and Disney are in a fight. Most Americans do not know about the number of jobs created in Florida. What they know is what the media call the Don't Say Gay Bill, which most Americans agree with, by the way. The Parental Rights and Education Act is its proper name. The media referred to it as the Don't Say Gay Bill. Most Americans actually agree with it. But Americans know Ron DeSantis as a culture warrior. They already know. You ask someone what they think about Ron DeSantis, and it's going to be defined by his culture war views, the trans fights, the Disney fights, the the gay rights fights, all that stuff. That's what they know. What Americans outside of Florida do not know is Ron DeSantis' record being tough on crime and Ron DeSantis' record for the economy, the number of jobs created. Now, the Democrats are going to try a line against DeSantis. It is the line that they have been attempting for a while to do against DeSantis from the, the from the Trump side of things, which is, well, Florida is Florida. It doesn't matter whether it's Ron DeSantis or Charlie Crist, even if it was Gavin Newsom, Florida is Florida, Florida would be fine, except California has a lot of the same dynamics of Florida, and California is going to hell in a handbasket. The governor actually does matter. But the Democrats, for the economic message, want to say, well, Florida would be fine whether DeSantis is there or not. It's all the culture war stuff. DeSantis could pivot to the economic stuff and say, ah, 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 ah. look at California, look at New York, 
Look at all these states the Democrats are in charge of. Look at the federal government. Look at Joe Biden's economy versus my economy in Florida. It's a perfect pivot at a time Americans know DeSantis as the culture warrior. They don't know DeSantis as the as the uh, job creator, crime fighter. And now Joe Biden, via his stenographer at CNN, is saying he wants to run a campaign against Florida and the Florida blueprint. Joe Biden wants to make it a culture war fight. Joe Biden cannot make it an economic fight because the economy is headed to recession. So he's got to fight the culture war. I continue to believe I am right. You can fight a culture war fight so long as you're delivering the goods on the economy. From the right, at least. So DeSantis gets in and he talks about jobs, the economy, crime as his top issues, but still goes after the culture war stuff. Most Americans don't want boys on their girls' team. So he talks about those issues and how he's protected girls' sports. He's protected Title IX in Florida. He's protected children from predators in school. He's protected local citizens from out-of-control, aggressive, progressive, George Soros-funded district attorneys. He's created jobs for the poor. He's elevated people out of poverty. He can talk about that while Joe Biden goes all culture warrior, and suddenly Joe Biden is not on message for the American people. Joe Biden is attacking Ron DeSantis as a MAGA Republican after Ron DeSantis beats Joe, Donald Trump for the presidency. If it happens, suddenly Joe Biden is out of step. His message is flawed. This is the same man whose campaign and White House team calculated Kevin McCarthy would never be able to pass a debt ceiling increase in the House. They were outmatched and outgunned. They were outmaneuvered by Kevin McCarthy. The same thing can happen on the GOP side. That what this White House shows is they're not very good at forward thinking. They're not very good at this chess-like strategy for campaigns. And if they run against DeSantis and they run against the Florida blueprint, the data from Florida itself proves it works. What is notable about this, though, is whether DeSantis is the nominee or not. It's going to be DeSantis's policies and what happened in Florida that define 2024. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Going to go to the phones to Vicki. Welcome to the show. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. I heard you talking about your event in August with um, a lot of potential um, primary candidates. And I, I t was wondering if it would be beneficial or possible for the candidates to not attack each other, because I feel like any conservative is better than Joe Biden. And we already have enough enemies. And I, I feel like we can't give a, um, more fodder to, um, you know, to, to liberals to attack these candidates, because really any one of them will be a blessing compared to what we've got now. You know, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, the way I intend to design it to avoid that is the format is going to be no speeches. They have to sit on stage with me and have a conversation where I take questions from the crowd and weave them into the conversation. Uh, and the questions that, that I basically want them to ask are, why you? What sets you apart? What's your background? And what makes you qualified? And they've got 30 to 45 minutes to answer the questions and not make it about other people, but actually steer them towards talking about their vision for America, why they think they're the best fit, uh, what what sets their vision apart. Um, and I, I don't it's not helpful from my vantage point to have them on stage attacking other people. Don't sell me on you by telling me why someone else is bad. 
sell me on you by telling me why you are the best person. And they should be able to do that. I think they got an obligation to try. Uh, it's one reason I don't want to, I, we, I used to do the speech format, let them give them 30 minutes and then they'd have to answer questions from the stage for, for a little bit, but they would have filibuster. So you'd only get one or two questions or a questioner would grab the microphone and instead of actually asking a question, they would filibuster for minutes on end, like get to the question, get to the question. Why is it? There's always that person. And y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. You're at an event. People get to ask questions and somebody goes to the microphone. And it's like they just want to hear themselves, not the person on stage. I, so I, I got rid of the microphones for the crowd a couple of years ago. We've been doing this format now for a few years. So you get an email in advance saying, if you want to submit a question, let me have it. I try to work them in generally like three, you got 1500 people, half of them want the same question asked. So I weave it in to the conversation. The candidate answers that question and it's about, it's got to be about them because Vicki, I agree with you. I, I, I don't care to hear the Republicans attacking the Republicans. Tell us why they're better than Joe Biden. Sell us on their vision of the country. It's something that that we need as a society is a positive message that is forward-focused on the future. Now, one place you're not going to get that is the NAACP. The president of the NAACP has decided that uh, black and um, Hispanic Americans are doing terribly in Florida, and he is out to scare the bejesus out of everybody from moving to Florida. It is kind of crazy. Listen to this. You just heard uh, the words of DeSantis himself calling this call by the NAACP a stunt. How do you respond? Well, the governor has uh, perfected the art of doing stunts to gain campaign contributions. Unfortunately, this will impact people's lives. Uh, we should not use race or othering as a tool to weaponize against people. And unfortunately for a large percentage of the Floridians, that's what he has done. Therefore, we are advising African-Americans and others that if you travel to Florida, beware that your life is not valued, that we have a political landscape that could cause harm as we prepare for the 2024 elections to right-size the political landscape in the state of Florida. You got that? Uh, you, your lives are in danger if you are black or Hispanic. You you are not valued in Florida, really? You know, DeSantis saw a massive shift in black and Hispanic voters. He won black young black men under the age of 40 in Florida. He won their votes. He won the Hispanic vote. In Florida, he won Miami-Dade County. He won the Hispanic vote, the non-Cuban Hispanic vote. He won, and now you've got the NAACP, just a partisan instrument of the Democratic Party, telling Black and Hispanic people your lives are in danger in Florida. Nobody believes this stuff except the far left in this country. This is just echo chamber nonsense. Hello, America. How are you? The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. I, I got to I gotta play this extended audio of the president of the NAACP talking about Florida. 
in Ron DeSantis, of course, calling it propaganda. This is an extended clip. It's about a minute, 45 seconds, but you really need to listen to this. I want to ask you uh, your comments on this. The Florida Chamber of Commerce uh, sent in a statement about the advisory that the NAACP that you all sent out. Um, and here's here's sort of what it says regarding the national group's notice to certain travelers. We have no comment. However, on the economic diversification front, in just the last few years, Florida has moved into the number one spot in the United States for black-owned businesses and number two for Hispanic and number two for women-owned businesses as well. When you hear those numbers, uh, what they are saying is, look, African-Americans and Hispanics are doing quite well here when it comes to running their own businesses and being able to make money here uh, and being able to live decent lives. How do you how do you address that with this new ban? First of all, that's propaganda language. Over the last several years, it wasn't because anything he did in policy. Florida, by geography, is an attractive place where people would like to go. But he's fighting the largest company in the state with Disney around tourism. They just pulled out a billion dollars. He is minimizing the quality of education by taking away the diversity for children to learn. He has he has sought to cause harm by saying that every citizen can carry guns without permit. Those are not business attractive policies. Those are regressive policies that that that's going to hit a dead end. So you can spend the whatever language you would like to have the policies that he has put in place are harmful policies to far too many individuals. And, and I can tell you what Disney has been doing, what we have this call for, it is a trend that's about to that about to pick up, not slow down. You got that? Florida is Florida. It doesn't matter what DeSantis does. Florida works economically. But DeSantis has implemented regressive policies. A little bit more here. I want to ask you what you intended to accomplish with this. What are you hoping happens because of this advisory? Well, we have talked to our members in the state of Florida, Florida partner groups, uh, uh, individuals in the large African-American communities. And so for many, they were asking, what should we do? And we understand that many conventions are going to be held in Florida. So we are advising our, our members and others that if you go, be cautious of how you operate in the state. That if you have another choice to hold your convention, consider a place outside of Florida. But also, let's, if you have, have to go there, let's support the local community as we prepare to change the political landscape. We didn't end here overnight. It was because of the election, so we have to prepare for the next election so we can get rid of him once and for all. This other, the othering that we have seen first by Trump, now by him, is not only un-American, it's dangerous, and we have to right-size this landscape. Really? No, the othering, among other things? Oh, boy. I would like to congratulate Donald Trump, former president of the United States, with the imminent entry of Ron DeSantis into the presidential race, suddenly you have Democrats say nice things about Donald Trump. I said this would happen. Now, many of those nice things are actually pejoratives as well, that, well, Donald Trump was stupid and dangerous. Ron DeSantis is smart and dangerous. Uh, we're hearing that more and more. The Huffington Post the other day had a story about how uh, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump are both dangerous, but DeSantis is more dangerous because he gets stuff done, knows how to get stuff done. They are 
absolutely apoplectic about the idea of this guy getting into the race. So you have the NAACP issuing a propaganda statement for the left, a travel advisory telling black voters to stay out of Florida. Their lives are at risk. Do you know Florida is the number one state for black citizens of the United States to move to? Not only that, that Ron DeSantis did a better job getting black voters in Florida than even Donald Trump did in 2020, that in 2022, more percentage, higher percentage of black voters voted for Ron DeSantis than Trump did. And Trump in 2020 did a better job than DeSantis in 2018. Hispanic voters, too, are moving more and more towards DeSantis. Why? Because he has a record. Everyone's making this a culture war clash, and DeSantis has allowed them to play into it. I, I got to tell you, when I saw a news report the other day, knowing how DeSantis' team doesn't talk to reporters, and this news report said, oh, DeSantis has no intentions of pivoting. He's going to stay culture warrior until the end. That told me right there, I, he's going to pivot. And he's going to talk about opportunity jobs in the economy. I, I have no inside knowledge here. It just makes sense. And when you have the NAACP doing something stupid like that, uh, it tells me everything we need to know, particularly because the left continues overplaying their hands on these issues. The left has gone so woke, so fast. They've done so much and driven so many people just crazy with their uh, wokeisms and tying everything to white supremacy. Even black voters like, this is kind of nonsense. I, I, I want to read you a story by some guy, Anthony Bernardi. I thought that this was a parody. I thought that this was some sort of fake story, but apparently it's not. And the headline is why waking up early is rooted in white supremacy. Yeah, the silence there is intentional. I need your brain to wrap your mind around this. Waking up early is white supremacy. The notion of waking up early and starting your day with the rising sun is often associated with productivity, success, and a strong work ethic. However, this seemingly innocuous concept is not without its historical and cultural implications. The idea that waking up early leads to success and a disciplined life can be traced back to various historical and religious contexts. In the Western world, this belief has been strongly influenced by Protestantism and the Puritan work ethic. The early rising ideology is not inherently racist. However, its connections to white supremacy can be seen when examining the broader historical and social contexts. During the era of European colonialism and the Atlantic slave trade, the concept of hard work and productivity became intertwined with race. Enslaved Africans were forced to work tirelessly from sunrise to sunset, and their white oppressors often used the rhetoric of hard work and discipline to justify their inhumane treatment. The idea that waking up early is a sign of a superior work ethic and a key to success serves to reinforce racial inequalities. To dismantle the white supremacist roots of the early rising narrative, it's essential to challenge the idea that waking up early is inherently virtuous. Do you know who a racist is? That damn early bird. That early bird is like David Duke with wings getting up early to get the worm, not leaving it for the non-racists.
This is where we have arrived in society with the left. By the way, you want to know what else is racist? You may need to sit down for this one. I hate to break the news to you because so many of you picked up the habit during, during COVID. Ashley Frasca, you better sit down for this one. Gardening is racist. That's right, friends. Waking up early is white supremacist. So too is gardening. How you lay out your gardens, how you choose and which vegetables you do choose, racist. That's the latest claim from the woke left. A group of of women from Asia and Europe did a podcast that has been circulated among liberals on how your choice of gardening, you see the French believe that you should harness nature. The French garden is an exemplification of how you wrap nature around the will of man and they use slaves to do it. Therefore, gardening is racist. They pick non-indigenous vegetables and they stole corn from the Native Americans. It's all a sign of white supremacy and racism. Y'all, these people aren't serious. They aren't serious. They're clowns. The NAACP president is a clown. He's a clown who believes that Ron DeSantis is out to kill black people in Florida. You have people writing about how being on time, being productive, waking up early, gardening, they're all racist. I think most Americans are tired of this garbage. I think most Americans see through this garbage and how nonsensical it is. And here comes Joe Biden, uh, Leroy Jenkins in it, into 2024, saying he's going to run a culture war campaign against Ron DeSantis in Florida. Good luck with that, people. Good luck. When everything is racist, nothing is. And the unserious clowns screaming about racism in Florida when more black Americans are moving to Florida than any other state to find work, don't think it's going to fly the way they think it is. Now, um, I want to go to Pamela. You're going to be up next. Welcome. Uh, Hi, uh, Ms. Erickson. I'd like to make a couple of comments. Uh, First one being... Um, we, if, if, if the comments were valid back when Donald Trump, um, lost his second election or excuse me, the first time he lost, I should say back in 2020, I guess it was, um, it's, it was supposedly said he lost because of the suburban housewives who did not vote for him. Now this time around, I do feel suburban housewives will identify greatly, uh, with DeSantis since he has three small children. Trump has three grandchildren as well. He's, a uh, He's big supporter of LGBTQ rights. Most many suburban housewives are conservative, and they're going to identify with Ron DeSantis and his stance on LGBTQT. Um, uh, you know, as far as um, rights against that commu- particular community. But I would also like to say that the evangelicals this time around, from every report I have seen and read, are not going to be supporting Trump in this election because. He did not. They were embarrassed by things that he did uh, after he said he was a Christian, and they they actually uh, catapulted him into office uh, the first time around. But now they're saying 
Um, they had tears in their eyes and they saw him at these rallies calling other people names and as well not being the Christian he claimed to be. Uh, the one just recently in Brentwood, Tennessee, he's somehow involved with the Evangelical Association. And well, uh, you know, that- I mean, the other issue here is is Donald Trump has started attacking pro-lifers for abortion bans around the country. And that, I think, is going to have more of a negative impact on him with evangelicals oh, than anything else. Yeah. So last week, Donald Trump actually attacked Ron DeSantis for signing the six-week um, yeah. life legislation in Florida. Uh, he also attacked uh, Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, for signing similar legislation, uh, saying that these are these are like deal breakers that pro-life people don't want six-week abortion bans. Ah, that told a lot of pro-lifers. Turns out he's not one of us. He got us the end of Roe v. Wade, and and he proved useful for that. But I don't think that's going to help him moving forward. Attacking pro-lifers, telling pro-lifers they don't want abortion bans. Lifers really do, whether they can get them or not is a different issue, uh, but that's going to hurt him. Now, I want to help you clean the house with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. And you put Eric in, E-R-I-C-K, as your discount code. You get three of them for less than $200. You're actually saving $200 with that as well, and you get free shipping. Now, they're an air purifier. So they get rid of the pollen, they get rid of the dust, they get rid of all that sort of stuff. And they they use electrostatic plates, so you don't have to buy filters, you just wipe it out on occasion, and they really do work. Man, you should see, when I wipe mine out, it's gross. It means it's working. But where I use mine really is not for the dust and not for the pollen. I use it for the odors, because it wipes out odors. So it wipes out pet odors, litter box odors, smoke odors, really, really does a good job on smoke odors, cooking odors even. So I travel with mine, and I keep it in my suitcase. You can hold it in the palm of your hand, plug it into the wall, use a USB cord in a car, and it wipes out odors. So if someone rented the car before you and they smoked in it, you can wipe out those odors. Same with the hotel room. They really do work. EdenPureDeals.com is the website, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code you use to get three of them for less than $200 for upstairs, downstairs, your basement, your RV, wherever you need it, is Eric at EdenPureDeals.com. All right, I want to go back to the phones here on the Eric Erickson Show to Rachel, who's been waiting patiently. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Hello, how are Hi. you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing well. What's um, going on? My comment, my comment basically was addressing what the NAACP was saying, and I was saying that I highly disagree with the statement. You know, and I think a lot of black Americans, we all would probably highly disagree with the statement of um, allowing, you know, people to have guns without the reg- the paperwork and be able to freely carry. And that doesn't necessarily say, oh, y'all can just go and kill black people. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's more, shoot, black people as a whole, we already carry our guns. It kind of makes it easier, you know, mm-hmm. for us to stay safer. So if somebody were trying to kill us, we would have a gun on us already. And I also don't believe that the NAACP, they aren't necessarily for black people and our policies and what we stand for. They kind of do their own thing. If they actually went and talked to a group of black people, we honestly wouldn't agree with some of the things that they agree with. Uh, yeah, You know, I, I get that a lot from friends of mine who say that the NAACP no longer represents them. They've kind of lost their way. They're just an, uh, an organ of the Democratic Party these days. And, it, it, yeah, I, I good points there. I, the, the idea 
of this advice. First of all, it, the NAACP seems to think more highly of itself than anyone else does. Uh, no one takes something like this seriously. They destroy their own credibility by doing stuff like this. I mean, this is something that everyone, you, me, the NAACP have to run into is know your limits. Know when you destroy your credibility. This this idea that they're going to issue a travel advisory to uh, black citizens saying your lives are in danger if you go to Florida. You're more likely to be mugged in New York City or shot in Chicago than anywhere in the state of Florida. In fact, the biggest city in Florida is Miami. And in Miami, the crime rate is far less than Chicago, New York, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles. And by the way, it's got a Republican mayor who himself is thinking of running for president. He's more to the left of Ron DeSantis, thinking he wants to run. I think he just wants some some name idea. They're a nice guy. I've met him, but he's not going to be president of the United States. But the, the, this this whole idea that you are unsafe by going to Florida. You know what? I would rather go wander Florida and deal with Florida man than go to the south side of Chicago. Uh, why isn't the president of the NAACP wasting his time there? Because that's where Democrats are in charge. And so he's not going to say anything there. The partisan, uh, the partisanization of weaponization of, of a group like the you know, but we've ha- seen this happen with the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center. These groups are just instruments of the Democratic Party, and no one really takes them seriously anymore. But they can get on TV. They have easy access to the television. And the TV, they love them. They, they give them a lot of clout and credibility on TV. You and I can ignore them, but it gives them talking points. It gives them press coverage. Uh, the amount of news networks that put on the Southern Poverty Law Center when so many domestic terrorists have taken the Southern Poverty Law Center's list to target conservatives, a bunch of wackadoo leftists who've gone crazy have used the SPLC's work. But the media keeps bringing them back because the media itself is in on the shtick. The media itself is an organ of the Democratic Party, which is why so few people even treat the press in this country credibly these days. All right, man, I left a lot on the cutting room floor today with the rest of the stuff. We'll have to get to it tomorrow, including the Associated Press being really upset. Conservatives have started winning races around the country, and the Associated Press believes it's a threat to democracy that Republicans are actually winning elections. We'll get to that tomorrow. See you all then.